everyone and welcome back to What A Barb, A Pollen Podcast. I'm Ops and this week I'm joined by Lecky and Veg as we'll be beginning the first in our Bridgerton rewatch series. During our rewatches, we'll be tracking Penn and Colin's journey through each episode of season one and season two. We'll be following their highs and lows of their stories, analysing their interactions and digging around for clues as to what we can expect from season three. We'll also be sprinkling in a little behind the scenes trivia here and there as well as taking plenty of tangents along the way. Today, we'll be starting the first episode of season one, Diamond of the First Water. But before we do, let's head over to Lecky for the breaking crumbs of the week. Lecky, what have you got for us? So Nicola finally went to see The Shape of Things and took a photo with Luke that has sent the fandom spiraling out of control. It's gone into meltdown. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Does this uh, photo have more likes than the the stills now on our subreddit? Yes, so... On our Pollen subreddit, it is now the most liked post of all time. Taking over the, considering how long we've waited for a first look at season three, <laughs> it was instantly overtaken by this photo of Nick and Nudes. It's a very sweet photo. We're just getting more excited. I think, yeah, everyone's in Pollen season. We're all very, very excited. Speaking of the shape of things, it looks like they are filming a pro shot and that we'll be able to see Luke's play if you weren't lucky enough to go see it in person like me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing this. I'm so glad that it's going to be filmed and released to everyone. You're really going to enjoy it. We're not sure on the details yet, but hopefully it'll be available on um, a streaming platform or on-demand platform, so keep an eye out for that one. While Nicola was there, she also spoke with a fan who asked her what her favourite scene from Romancing Mr. Bridgerton was, and she indicated that the, quote, your my mess exchange makes it into the show, and she also said that it was, quote, just so beautiful to shoot. So, just to say, if you're unfamiliar with Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, slight book spoilers ahead, um, but this is referring to a scene from the books where Penelope and Colin have kind of hooked up a little bit on a sofa and they look a little bit crumpled afterwards and Penelope turns to him and she asks him do I look a mess and he nods back at her and says but you're my mess um, so it's a bit of a fan favourite moment between the two of them. I think it's something that quite a few fans are keen to see in the show. So we were right. It's happening. That's going to be in there. And that was probably the one she was talking about in that interview we discussed in our last episode. Yeah, because over to done weekend, Nicola mentioned a lot about the book to screen adaptations and how they try to include stuff. I think we'd had a bit of a theory for a while that this scene was definitely going to make the season though, because yeah. I think maybe during press for season two, every time someone asked her about her favourite line from the book, it, it tended to be this one. the You're My Mess scene. So we were hoping that it was going to get included. And it feels like it is. The fact <laughs> that she said it was so beautiful to shoot, that's just, I don't know, like my, my heart is fluttering. <laughs> I can really imagine the two of them doing that scene. Because this is what we've said before, isn't it? Like the story of Romancing Mr. Bridgerton might not seem to be translating particularly in a very like straightforward adaptation way. You know, the timeline's all different. The dynamics are different. But this is how they're incorporating the heart of the book, isn't it? It's like these moments between the two of them and the friendship they have. Um, So we're so excited. Um, Speaking of Twitter, another user on Twitter made a little casting announcement with some sleuthing. (laughs) Um, They said that uh, the actor Max Boast will be playing a character named Lord Cutbill in season three. So another lord on the scene. We've had quite a few, haven't we? Wildling? Yeah. Also a lord? Wilding. Wilding? Lord Wilding. I think it's Wilding. I think I went Game of Thrones there for a second. (laughs) But yeah, this also sounds kind of like exotic. Cutbill. Where are they? Cutbill, Dankworth. I love it. And so obviously we have no idea how, you know, how big a role this character could be. Um, It probably denotes that he has a speaking role, at least. Yeah. um, If his character has a name. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to get to see a lot more of Colin's personal life and kind of what he does um, with his time. That sounds really mean. Sorry, Colin. Um, but, you know, I'm, we're hoping that we're going to see his world a little bit more. Um, so there's been quite a few uh, people of the same age that could really be either his friends in the town or if not his friends and certainly his peers. Um, so it's really exciting to kind of pick up these little crumbs. So well done to the Twitter user who will link in our show notes mm-hmm. um, for some amazing sleuthing. Mm-hmm. Also, just to, to piggyback on Luke's play, um, Lord Wilding uh, is played by Joe Barnes. Joe Barnes. He also attended Luke's play. He went yeah. with Lord Fife, um, who is Bert Seymour. Bert Seymour. Um, and they, they took a photograph with a fan who I think had no clue that Joe Barnes was <laughs> in season three. And she was probably just very confused that Luke and Bert wanted to Include take him. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, yeah. So we're definitely looking forward to seeing Joe Barnes and Max Boast in season three. Yeah, welcome to the cast. Um, and then just our final piece of crumbs, our last crumb for the day. Um, it sounds like Nicola's movie Seize Them will be released in August of this year. Um, it looks like she filmed this after um, season two was released, before they started season three. And it looks like it's a historical comedy where Nicola plays a character named Humble Joan, who's a revolutionary who overthrows a queen who then has to steal back her crown. Um, and it looks like they have a great cast. Amy Lou Wood is in it, along with um, Nick Frost. Um, so I bet that'll be hilarious if you want to keep an eye out for it. So busy summer, Barbie coming up, I think, in July. Everybody, get your tickets. <laughs> so those are all the crumbs of the week. Show we get our rewatch. Yep, let's do it. But I think just before we start, like, should we just kind of tell everyone um what's kind of happened with this episode so this rewatch of season one episode one was actually the first thing that we have recorded for the podcast and we originally planned for this to be like the first ever episode of the whole thing but then you know Tudum appeared through everything into chaos we had to change all of our plans um, so the audio that you're going to hear next isn't actually us now. Um, it's our very first attempt of us taking our baby steps into the Pollen podcast world. So you might notice that the audio is a bit patchy in places. And do you remember how ill I was when we recorded this? Yeah, she was dying. <laughs> I was clinging on to life. So we just want to say we were very much still finding our footing, um, as we are now. So apologies in advance, but we hope you enjoy the episode. And we'll be back next week. A little more put together, but we still hope you enjoy this one. <laughs> So enjoy our first rewatch, enjoy the debut, enjoy the presentation and all the beautiful Polly moments that come with it. We'll see you next week. See you then. And now we'll be moving on to our rewatch of episode one from season one, Diamond of the First Water. So Veg, before we start on our pollen deep dive, do you want to give us an overall episode summary of what's ahead of us? Dearest gentle listener. The year is 1813 and the start of the social season. As the debutantes are presented to the Queen, Lady Whistledown publishes her first scandal sheet. The Duke of Hastings and Marina Thompson both arrive in London and cause quite a stir. After Daphne's prospects are damaged by Antony, Daphne and the Duke agree to a fake courtship. That was beautiful, Edge. It felt like she was in the room. I was waving my arms around. You should see what I look like. <laughs> Everyone knows that Julie Andrews does her voice acting while waving her arms around in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we go. Season one, episode one, Diamond of the First Water. So the very first shot of the series is a shot over Regency London with the opening lines, Grove in a Square, 1813. Behind the door of the Featherington household, we get our very first look at Penelope, her sisters, and Lady Featherington. And here we go, our introduction to Penelope, one half of our beloved pollen. And this is the scene where she delivers her first ever line, Is She to Breathe, Mama? as Prudence is squeezed into her corset. So in this scene, right off the bat, we also get our first clue that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. Um, Nicola has said that she picked out the quill that Penelope is holding in this scene as a little Easter egg to hint that Pen is Lady Whistledown. She's just there, like blatantly holding it. I love that in like the first, I don't know, 30 seconds, the whole the whole thing has been spoiled straight away. Like if you're paying attention. We're gonna leave Pen with her very, very subtle giant yellow quill. And we're gonna <laughs> hop across the square behind the green door of the Bridgerton house. And once we're inside, we find a bunch of siblings, a bunch of the alphabet scattered around the entrance hall, waiting for Daphne to come down the stairs. And as we wait for Daphne, let's stop and enjoy the decor. As you're going down the stairs on the left, we get our first look at the family portraits. Can we just stop for two seconds to talk about these portraits for a second? Because they've always given me nightmares, to be honest. Yeah, we're looking at the ghost hand. I like to say that Ben and Colin crawled out of the crypt for this painting. For the listener, we'll provide some visuals on our Instagram so you guys know what we're talking about. Veg, have you noticed this before um, with the hands? Really. Zoom, zoom in, girls, zoom in. Oh, what's the dog? <laughs> You're concerned about the dog. It looks like Colin has like <laughs> three fingers and they may be rotting. There's some sort of disease. I mean, it's a beautiful likeness with their faces. <laughs> Veg, to answer your question about the dog, because I actually was really excited once about this dog because I thought it meant that there must be one knocking about somewhere that we'd eventually see. This portrait is actually based on a real portrait from the 1760s. Um, so the dog is in the original. So they just copy that over. Do you know what isn't in the original though? These weird hands. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no dog that we know of. But 
enough the portraits. People have got a presentation to get to. And Daphne is taking forever, so Colin offers to go hurry Daphne along, and he has his first ever line too. Can anyone remember what it is? I believe he says, I shall run upstairs and hasten her along. And he also says that Daphne prefers him over Benedict. He actually points out that everyone likes him better, so you can understand why Benedict's upset here. Just to jump back as well, I just want to say I love that his first line is a hero moment, and I think yes. we all know that about Colin and Lekia. I really love your I Need a Hero edit, where you've got this scene in it as well. And I think it's just like the first first of many opportunities for Colin to be a hero, and I just love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely the first glimpse of his hero complex that we'll probably be seeing a lot more of in season three. And I'm sure that's going to go splendidly for him. I can already see it now. <laughs> it's not going to cause any problems whatsoever. Yeah, so Benedict looks very upset, but Benedict and Colin can calm down. Daphne finally comes down the stairs. You know that main character that we're just not going to mention in these episodes. <laughs> she comes down the stairs. She's looking beautiful. And um, we're ready to leave. So then we've got both the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons piling out of their houses and into their carriages. And there's a really quick moment here, actually, that I just want to mention. Eloise, she kind of looks off to the side. And if you notice, she is actually picking up the first ever issue. And it's interesting that she turns from pen, she's waving at pen, and then she turns and looks down and picks it up. So it's all there in the first episode. There we go. So just whilst we're here outside the houses, one thing I've always noticed that I am very interested actually to hear your opinions on um, is that the doors, if you look at the doors, the front door of the Bridgeton house is green and the front door of the Featherington house is blue so it's almost like the opposite colors of the house of their families and their houses maybe to show that their two families are interconnected like in their lives are intertwined veg so correct me right because you're like i say you're quite close to some of these locations do you know um a bit about what the door colors actually are and if that's a choice that they've made or is that how just the set is as they find it um yeah so in i think that it's quite a dark blue the door color on ranger's house and then you also have the, normally it's white, the Featherton House in Bath. So um, Interesting. for context, um, in Greenwich in London is the Rangers House. And all the way across the country in the west of England in Bath is um, where we have the Featherton House. So while you see them waving to each other, um, they're actually completely opposite ends of the country. Now, I have a theory about this. And I don't know if you're going to agree, but I'm going to put it out there and we'll see what happens. So my theory has always been that I have an idea about, say we get season eight or whatever the last season ends up being. I kind of have a theory about what the very last scene of the entire season will be, but we can say that for another discussion. Um, But I also have this vision of what the opening scene of the last episode will be. So imagine the year is 2078. We're finally on season eight. Okay, maybe I've been a bit optimistic with the time frame, but you know, stay with me. I can clown. And I think we're going to get basically this scene of, of both families coming down the stairs, like the chaos piling out. But I think it's going to be Anthony and Kate coming out of Bridgerton House with all of their kids and maybe like some cousins from the other siblings. And then I think they're going to look out across the road and it's going to be Penn and Colin in the Featherington house coming out with all of their children. And I think it's going to like reflect this chaos in the scene, but the families are going to be united across the square. And that's why the colours are inverted because there's that connection that's that's already foreshadowed that's going to end up being... That just makes me emotional. (laughs) They'd both be the Bridgerton houses. That would be so sweet. Beautiful. And then they all arrive at St. James's Palace for the presentation. And it's Penn's big moment. The Featherington sisters go first. And they all squish in through at the same time. And I think that Nicola Coughlin once said that it was considered unfashionable and classless for all the sisters to kind of debut at the same time like that. So we're starting off on a really classic Porsche move here. But I do know, this does remind me of, I don't know if you guys know Pride and Prejudice. Do we Do we know? Are you joking? Presumably, if you like Prejudice. You're speaking to your audience, I'll just say that. Okay, all right. So this reminds me of when the old aunt is speaking to Lizzie and asks about her sisters. Lizzie says all of them are out. That was sort of like an oh, all of them. Just a tacky thing for her to do. But yeah, then we're in we're in the presentation scene now, and I just want to mention the outfits because I think this is a key outfit that we should have a look at. I really like Penn's outfit in this scene. I think 
It's a really good shape. Uh, womanly assets are on great display. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the detailing of it. I just think it's nice. What do you guys think? I love this outfit. I think she looks beautiful. The fact that it fits her is amazing and rare. <laughs> Miraculous. Yeah, you've heard me gushing about the outfit just now, but I think it's just, it's funny how at the start of the series we get, like we start off pretty strong, but then as we go on, almost immediately it's into the land of butterflies and, yeah <laughs> goes progressively downhill from there maybe genevieve knew that the queen wouldn't stand for <laughs> the normal dresses that portia puts uh puts on penelope so she made sure this yeah. one was nice <laughs> and this is this is kind of a fan favorite right i mean i have to confess it's not that I don't like it, I do. It's just it's never really stood out to me that much. I'm very sorry. I guess it doesn't stand out. I think it's something about her hair being pulled back yeah, up. Yeah, the hairs isn't great. Well, if this doesn't stand out enough to you, they have some really not subtle outfits yeah. later for you. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> well, I can't wait to see them. <laughs> I like Colin's outfit. This is his first sort of high neck look. Um, we see precious little of his neck. Um, Tragically. Well, not precious, unprecious little of his neck throughout the two series. Um, <laughs> he's got a white bow tie look going on and a lovely sort of gold, light gold waistcoat with the top button undone to show he's here to party. He's flirted with half the girls in the sun. <laughs> yeah, he looks smart. It's a good good first look. And it is definitely yellower than the other brothers because theirs is very kind of like white or like ivory. And this is distinctly like creamy, yellowy, golden. Yeah bit of uh, colour foreshadowing which we love to see and I'd say I think this colour of yellow really brings out his eyes and makes them sparkle or could that be the way he's looking at Penn and Misty (laughs) well exactly because we've got Penelope walking and she kind of looks over to Eloise for encouragement and she has the funniest expression on her face. It's like, oh bless her, she, she just can't hold a single feeling that she has in her body, does she? And then I also just want to give a shout out to like Gregory's like blank eyed stare that he, I don't know what he's, he's like seeing demons or something, bless his soul. But you're <laughs> right, like he's like Colin is in the corner <laughs> watching her and this is the first scene where they're properly both acknowledging one another and there's something about the way that this scene is shot and lit that I think is just so beautiful. What I love about the scene is that the use of shadows is really beautiful. As Penelope is walking through the room, this is her big moment, her introduction to society, and yet her face is kind of shrouded in shadow. But then when we cut back over to the Bridgertons, Colin and Eloise are completely illuminated by light. And if, if you think about this in terms of their characters, Penelope is the wallflower. She's the one that stands on the outskirts of the ballroom. She kind of exists in the shadows, and that's kind of how she operates Lady Whistledown too. Whereas um, Colin, as a Bridgerton, he's more accepted by society. And considering what we know of Shadows in season three, in fact, the title of the first episode of season three is Out of the Shadows. Um, I bet we'll see a reversal of this as well, um, where there'll be a moment where Colin is standing in the shadows, perhaps watching Penelope having her moment in the spotlight. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye out for. I love it. What I love about this scene as well as she kind of approaches the Queen is that all the rest of the debutantes trying to focus on the Queen, obviously, and give her full attention and make the best impression. Mm. But instead, with Penn in this scene, she's kind of looking all around the room and trying to take it all in, to the point where kind of Portia has to, like, nudge her a bit and get her to pay attention again. And it's like a little hint that she's Lady Whistledown. But I also just think it's a nice character moment that just shows how inquisitive she is and how just naturally interested in the world she is around her. And it just really reminds me of this tiny little moment from the second epilogue of Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. Um, it's the bit where she arrives at Romney Hall with Colin and there's just this moment where he's watching her and he notices that she's kind of covertly looking around everything, taking it all in. And he says that he knows that when they talk about it later, she'll have soaked up every single detail. And it's this kind of aspect of her character where she just is a sponge for the world around her. She's so fascinated by it all and obviously she, she internalises that and then pushes that out as as Lady Whistledown but I just think it's a really sweet moment and then you know Portia Waxer gets her attention back just as Eloise predicted the entire presentation kind of goes to shit a little bit um, as Prudence faints but leaving a slightly disastrous presentation behind us we then cut to a montage of the paper boys running across the ton and distributing the first ever issue of Lady Whistledown so I'll just have a read of the excerpt from the first issue of Lady Whistledown which we really think shines a very good light on kind of Penelope's true nature and how she's a great gal overall. So, 
Hiding behind this paper is a brave person who can protect herself with a pen. My intention is not to shed any blood, but to shed some light on the true events in our society. My words, though they might be hurtful, are not meant to be mean. They are meant to be fair. So, if your conscience is clear, then have nothing to fear, my dear reader. But be prepared to hear the truth about yourself and your kin. And do not be surprised if there is something you do not know. Shall we begin? I wish they had included this because so many people attack Penelope, but generally she is punching up and attacking those in society who deserve it. And this whole idea that she's just trying to be fair and she's just reporting on what she sees is so (laughs) important. Um, And yeah, I just wish they had included this in the voiceover. Yeah, I'm so glad that we finally got, because you can, in the show, you can only kind of see the first few paragraphs. So this has been completely obscured. And I do wish they had included it because it's her like thesis statement right it's her entire reasoning for what she's doing and maybe maybe they're kind of saving this for season three and maybe we'll revisit it i hope we do because first of all i love hiding behind this paper is a brave person who can protect herself with a pen i love that i think that's just a beautiful kind of summary of who she is as a character you know she hides but she's brave and she kind of knows who she is and she says my words they might be hurtful and not meant to be mean they're meant to be fair And that's something that I think occasionally can kind of get lost within the show and lost within the interpretation of the show a little bit because we don't hear her say that. But she's she's not there to lie. She's not there to deceive. She's there to just kind of reveal the world around them and, you know, to shed light, if you will, on kind of the world they inhabit and the people they are. So I'm really glad that we finally got this and I hope it comes back somehow in season three. And she doesn't fabricate information she says so if your conscience is clear you have nothing to fear she doesn't invent stories no she doesn't lie she says i won't write about you if you don't give me something to write about basically yeah i hope that that she gets this moment to explain herself in season three and i hope that she's still proud of herself and you know maybe she has things to apologize for but i hope she doesn't apologize for who she is and who she's being and kind of the work she's done because this is the beginning moment but she ends up accumulating so much power and it's fascinating to see kind of how she uses that and channels who she is. Um, since we're discussing Whistledown, um, it's also worth noting that the beginning of this episode we know takes place on April 6th, 1813 because the date is visible on the first edition of Lady Whistledown. Um, in the book, Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, Penelope meets and falls in love with Colin on April 6th, 1812. So this is also a fun tie-in. Um, however, as we'll see later in this episode, this is also now the date where Colin first meets Marina on the show. So we win some and lose them there. We just can't have anything, can we? Why does everything get taken from us? <laughs> Beautiful. So there was an attempt. An attempt was made. Although that would mean, right, that this is now Saphne's first meeting, April 6th. Yep. So congratulations to those. Sorry, who is Saphne? Sapphire, are they are there other characters in this series? <laughs> These people, I think they're like the main characters or something. I don't know. I don't pay much attention. Oh, okay. Well, somehow we're going to translate 21 minutes of pollen into a 20-episode podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With nothing if not determined. And we're back at Featherington House where Portia is busy gossiping with Lady Cowper as Penelope's kind of half reading, half listening in. So you can kind of see here where Penn's interest and access to gossip comes from in the first place. And then the sisters all go back, they're kind of flicking through miniatures of all the potential suitors, which just makes me think, is there a tiny little Colin miniature in there somewhere? I hope there is. Um, I hope she's kind of like taken it away and she's got it upstairs. She hides it with his little bundle of letters like under a floorboard somewhere. <laughs> That's actually a really sweet thought. And then she throws darts at it after season two. <laughs> um, but we've got a big entrance coming probably, you know, after Simon, the second biggest entrance of the episode as Marina enters the house. I'm sure that it's going to go swimmingly. I'm sure that Marina entering the fray isn't going to cause any sort of complications for the season. But we're going to leave Marina there. Are you guys ready for the first ball? Not just of the episode, but of the entire show. Do we also want to mention that <gasps> Penelope has a butterfly bow in her hair in that scene? I don't think there's any more butterflies in this episode, though, so I feel like we might have missed the opportunity. No, there, there is. Oh, it's fine. Is there a butterfly? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, I see you're joking. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was thinking of the tiny butterfly necklace. I completely forgot there's a butterfly in this next scene. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Oh, bless. So, yeah, are we all ready for the first ball? I hope so. Of the entire show? Pen is ready as well, in a beautiful mustard, almost mustard 
colored dress almost like toxic waste fluorescent okay wait a second i would say this is gold and it's actually one of the nicer colors one of the nicer shades of yellow the rest of the dress is unfortunate but the colors i think that's your stockholm syndrome (laughs) so this is the butterfly look again we'll provide visuals but full butterfly very large butterfly on the across the chest like detailing you've got the full body whatever that's called i want to call it the chrysalis but i don't think that's right um, we had intro to Butterflies 101 last scene when um, they were greeting Marina. Mm-hmm. Pen had a lovely little pink and yellow butterfly in her hair. But this is, you know, this is the mega butterfly. <laughs> and I have developed a theory for the listener. These guys are way better at the theorising than I am. Um, but this is my one and only theory I've developed which is what I call butterfly theory. So this is her, you know, she's just started her whistle down column. It's all gone well. Now she's coming out of society. She's a butterfly spreading her wings. And so this is the dress metaphor. And then slowly, sort of over the course of the episode, she realises, ah, I'm not maybe the ticket I thought I could be or I hoped I might be. Um, So we've got this massive butterfly now, but then over the course of the episode, it gets smaller and smaller. And then later in the episode, we see a tiny little necklace in the Vauxhall scene that I kind of see that as like her last sort of hope. To me, that's like the butterfly sort of fading away. The butterfly is representing our hope for the social season. And I'm hoping we see some butterflies in series three. Beautiful theory. (laughs) The kind of like optimism that she starts with. Yeah. What I love about this dress, and I actually... You can tell how, like, deeply traumatised we've been by this fandom, by the fact that I actually quite genuinely like this dress now. Um, But an absolute nothing but love to the costume department who've done an incredible job. But I'm sure there there was a quote somewhere from a crew member who was like, talking about the dress in this scene and they were like you might not have noticed it but there was this the you know it's so subtle but pen has a dress with a butterfly on the front you really have to like pay attention because it's it's not easy to spot <laughs> like bless your soul um i think we spotted it listeners if you've never seen this butterfly we will help point it out to you so her tiara and accessories are beautiful in this scene the dress isn't my favorite it's just the way the butterfly is shaped feels very awkward over her bodice so one more thing i also love a little detail in this outfit that nick has talked about nicola her little dance card that's like a little empty little dance card that's just so sweet tragic I think you'll find the word is. Tragic. Yeah, not sweet. <laughs> and you know what? Colin never remembers to sign a dance card either. He just kind of gets swept up in the moment and rushes her to the dance floor. Chaos Colin doesn't even consider signing his name on her dance card. And all she's <laughs> hoping, all she wants in the entire world is to, for his little name to be on the dance That's clearly all she wants. And he never does it. And that is my villain origin story. I have a lot of love for him, but that drives me. You're right. He just always is like, oh, now we're dancing. And... <laughs> It's like, just just sign the card. Just sign yeah. the card. Just sign it's the not that difficult. Card, yeah. But anyway, enough of Chaos Colin, because this scene contains possibly one of my favourite shots of the entire series. Because we watch Penn watching Colin, who's dancing with a debutante. You know, Mr. Flirted with Half of London. Here you go. Here's your evidence. Um, and she just has the most beautiful, quiet curious wistful expression on her face and instantly you know what's going on she hasn't mentioned a word and you can tell she's absolutely adores him the entire relationship that 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 dynamic of her being on the side and kind of just being devoted to him is set up so well here and you know i'm sure we'll get into this in future episodes but i don't think penelope of season one ever thought she'd actually end up with him and I think she kind of just assumed that she'd always be on the sidelines watching him. And there's just something about this moment that I just, I just love. And I think it encapsulates their season one dynamics so beautifully. So this is a really beautiful shot. You kind of see the crowd part for Penn as she notices Cullen on the dance floor. And that shot is mirrored in a really interesting way in the final episode of the season, where you see the crowd part for Cullen as he notices Penn on the outskirts of the dance floor, having her little wallflower moment in episode eight. Oh, that's beautiful. And yet, you know, enjoy this Colin whilst you can, because I think we're mere seconds away from the start of everyone's favourite subplot. But it's just a gorgeous scene. And you can actually see more of Colin dancing in the background as I think Daphne and Anthony are kind of like walking around the ballroom. And I remember that 
uh, Luke Newton said that Jack Murphy, the choreographer and movement director, found out that he had like West End standard dance training and so tried to just shove him in as many dance scenes as possible. <laughs> you can't blame him. Um, but if you kind of keep your eyes peeled, you can see him kind of dancing around, being all nice and flirty. And then we get Daphne, Anthony, Benedict and Colin, they all kind of meet up and we have a mention of another of our favourite subplots, um, Colin's Travels gets brought up. Um, so you have the scene where Colin tells Daphne about his upcoming tour and did you all know that Colin was going to Greece? I mean, <laughs> it, you might miss it and I'm sure he's never going to mention it again. So it is a real blink and miss it kind of moment. If you don't know about it yet, he's off to Greece. And he actually gets a very sweet reaction from Daphne who says, how adventurous, Colin? Marking probably one of the only times a sibling is ever going to be interested in Colin's travels. So it's really interesting that Daphne is kind of supportive of his travels because the brothers don't seem that supportive here. Yeah, they kind of like roll their eyes. They have like this moment where they look at each other and they're probably sick of hearing about it too. And then obviously they're interrupted because Lady Danbury approaches and ABC try and kind of make a quick escape. I think Anthony kind of warns them. He's like, oh God. And so we have Colin's first proper interaction with Lady Danbury and we'll see how, if anything, that comes to in season three. But then it's just after this conversation that Colin turns his head, he's standing next to Benedict. And it's one of my favourite shots because he looks so... He has such an incredible expression on his face, but it's painful to the core. He does a double take as he sees, you guessed it, Marina is there dancing. And he says, who is that? Some quick trivia from this episode. It's kind of painful, but we only have 21 minutes of uninterrupted pollen time before Marina kind of enters their lives. And he's just completely taken aback. You know, he's so clearly taken with Marina at first sight. And I think what's really interesting about this moment is if we look to the books, this is exactly how the book version of his character thought he would fall in love. Um, and I think this kind of really gives us an interesting insight into how both versions of Colin kind of work. Um, I think the quote is from the book is, is, he thought that love would hit a man like a thunderbolt, that one day you'd be loitering around at some party bored to tears and then you'd see a woman and you'd know instantly that your life would be changed forever. And, you know, that doesn't happen to book Colin, but it happens to this Colin here when he sees something new in his life um, that's different from everything else he's known. Yeah, and I think it's fun to note that he's actually stood next to Benedict in this scene and as we know um, spoilers guys for Benedict's book but he sort of does have more of that lightning bolt moment Um, he does have that story but then it's so different with Colin so I just think it's quite interesting that it's sort of a foreshadowing almost a Benedict's story Um, the fact that he sort of stood there then yeah, because that's that's interesting because a book Colin thought this because he'd seen his brother fall in love. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see them both together and a little bit of Benedict foreshadowing. You know, where is Sophie Beckett? We do not know, but I'm sure she'll appear at some point. Um, and so obviously, like I say, Colin's instantly taken and he joins the dance and he makes flirty eye contact with Marina and he seems very thrilled with himself. So yeah, that's the plot. We're 20 minutes in and already the subplot has taken Colin away from us. And, you know, we all start crying endlessly, I think, <laughs> is kind of our reaction. There's also an exchange between Portia and some of the other mamas in this scene. Um, when Colin joins the dance and goes after Marina, one of the mamas turns to Portia and says, the Bridgerton boy is joining the swarm. Where one suitor goes, the rest will surely follow. Obviously, this is, you know, foreshadowing for Saphne for this season but I wonder if because Colin's attentions toward Penelope have finally been noticed at the end of season two if this will act as an impetus for other suitors to finally pursue Penelope in season three or if his damaging words about Penelope at the end of season two will discourage suitors from pursuing Penelope just as she's seriously starting to look for a husband. Okay this is coming purely from a place of men are trash I feel like (laughs) <laughs> like you know Penn is the sweet baby angel I know you know she uh, all the controversy but I think that you know it would be nice for Colin to work for it the work has been done for him he's well. gonna try and hook her up with people who he will feel are better than he is um, because sure. I think he's become a bit of a crisis of who he is after he's gonna come back with all his swagger and feel a bit more confident and then he's gonna find out that she heard him and I think it's going to make him have a bit of crisis of who he thought he was. And he's not going to feel worthy of her because, you know, he made a promise to protect her and he let her down. And, um, 
yeah, I think him earning her love is as much for him, proving it to himself as it is for her. Um, although, Veg, you know, I didn't know that you were a member of the Colleen Dwarsophia movement, but... I, I, I like Colin. He, he's a nice man. I'm glad, I'm glad that on the, the Pollen podcast, we have such endorsements <laughs> as, I like Colin, he's not a ringing endorsement there. Wow. Oh. Top fans, let mega me fans. Helpfully, let me segue to get the heat off me. Okay, segue away. You mentioned, you mentioned the Series 3 swagger for anyone who's not up to speed on the crumbs. We have Pirate <gasps> Colin, um, a picture of Colin dressed very much like a lovely pirate. And I just want to point out the poetry scene is the first little spot we get of um, Pirate Colin because if you peek, you can get him wearing boots in a very quick moment. You can see him wearing some lovely pirate-esque boots. Oh, little pirate in training. The the start of his evolution into pirate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He also glances over at Penn in this scene, I just want to mention. As uh, the suitor is reciting the poetry, Colin looks over at Penelope. And the fact that he approaches her seconds later to discuss the bad poetry, you can kind of think about. He was probably thinking about how much he wanted to talk to Penn about the bad poetry, which kind of establishes that they're, they're friends and that they would talk about these things before the show even began. It's like, Colin, you know, eyes front, do you not remember who you're actually there for? And he just can't help but turn completely away from Marina and focus on her. And he is itching. to Like, the second that Porsche's like, you can go say goodbye to people now, he, like, bolts for her, right? And, you know, we have our very famous line from him, a most wretched sonnet indeed. And then Penn replies with her line, Lord Byron, he is not. So when he looks over at her, she does not notice, which is sad. (laughs) I always find that sad that she's not really paying attention, I think, that he's paying attention to her. Yes. She wouldn't even think that he would be thinking about her. I I feel like she's so in love with him, but she's so resigned to the fact that she'll probably never be with him that she wouldn't even consider the fact that he would be thinking about her when they're not, like, actively speaking in a conversation. Can I comment on this bit? Mm -hmm. I just say when she's like, look, Byron, he's not. And then... There's such like a strange pause and there's, I, I never know what to think of it, like the energy. But mm-hmm. his pause where he's like, I do not believe so. What's that pause? I think he's surprised by her. I think this is like the uh, <laughs> the lead up to the, the Whatabarb scene. This is like him being surprised by her wit. I wonder if like younger Penn was more shy and reserved and didn't really talk about around him as much or make jokes. Um, because I think he's definitely surprised by her in this scene. And I think in the script, it mentions that the direction is that she's really surprised that she made him laugh. And, and he's clearly like so tickled by this moment, yeah. um, which is really sweet. And it's because, you know, they've known each other for a long time. We don't know how long, but, you know, is this one of the first shifts in their relationship a little bit as they kind of, has she been quite quiet up until this point? Have they had interactions like this before? But it's really establishing what we're going to see throughout both seasons where their their friendship is kind of built on these beautiful moments of where they both see each other and feel seen by each other. But also, you know, the gossiping is a, is a cornerstone of who they are and kind of what they like about each other. So it's a very interesting foreshadowing for how, it, how the revelation is going to go down in season three. And, you know, first and foremost, he, he loves a gossip. He loves a bitch, whether he denies it. He's come over just to gossip. He initiated that conversation of being a little bit bitchy, a little bit gossipy. And he's so pleased when she kind of returns that energy. And he's kind of surprised by it as well. And yeah, I think that this is the first moment that we really see that dynamic between them. You know, the origin of the gossip burner, if you will. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you guys know this, actually, but after the scene at the poetry reading, there's actually a cut scene that was, it was in the script and it was actually filmed as well. Um, but they cut it out of the final edit. Um, and it's quite an interesting moment. And we know that we know that it was filmed because um, Nicholas shared a photo of it. So we'll try and put that on social media so you can kind of see. But it's this scene between Eloise, Marina and Penelope, where I think they're just kind of walking in some gardens and they're having a conversation. I think Marina's talking a little bit about her family, where she's come from. And they're talking about how Marina's got the attention of the suitors. Penn then, there's this moment where Penn says, someone like Mr. Colin Bridgerton. And Marina says, like, which one was he? Like, she doesn't even really know him. What's interesting about this scene is that, to me, is that Marina is so focused on 
on George, who is away at war, and she finds courting tedious, and she doesn't even remember who Colin was. Um, and she also later in the scene kind of alludes to sex, and Eloise and Penelope just completely goes over their heads, which is interesting, And it, because Marina later weaponizes sex and mm. uh, plans to seduce Colin. Yes, kind of contrast their naivety with her experience, and I'm kind of glad they cut it out, because I always thought that it's a bit weird that like Penn would voluntarily bring Colin into the conversation as like a potential suitor. But that kind of feels like counterintuitive to kind of put him on a plate to Marina as an option. Um, That's a good point. But yeah, it was completely cut out of the scene. I'm sure it exists somewhere in the world, probably in the same drawer that the cut scene from the wedding exists in. But I just thought I'd mention it because it was interesting that it was filmed and they clearly chose to take out for a reason. And I do wonder if there was just something about the dynamics or if it was giving too much away too early um, about Marina's story. I wonder if they maybe just wanted Penelope's betrayal later on in this season to come as more of a surprise and she's so focused on Colin here that that kind of maybe gives too much away yeah because she never she never admit it's not until later when um Marina tells her you're in love with Colin that she has ever acknowledged it and so it just feels kind of like out of place that she would bring his name into it for no reason I just feel like it's very forward of her to like bring his name up in that context I think it's probably her giving too much away too early on. And so we're going to skip forward now to the last major part of this episode, um, which is another ball. So get ready. We're off to Vauxhall. Um, So Colin is going via boat and they hop in and arrive at Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. And we have this beautiful scene where Penelope is there by herself and Colin kind of walks up to her and... They have this really sweet moment where um, she says that she didn't know he'd be there and he kind of makes this little joke about that he's sorry to disappoint her and he asks if Marina's around um, but Penn says that she's ill at home with Portia and she mentions actually that her dad is chaperoning them for the night and she says that that's why she can wear her nice beautiful dress and she is looking just beautiful, isn't she? Yeah, she looks like a fairy princess here. One of her best looks. Absolutely. I think we had a, on the subreddit, we had like a competition sort of, you know, a bracket where we all voted on the outfits and we sort of voted for our favourites. And this one did pretty well for Penelope. It's gorgeous. And even Colin's tails and it's just, I love the outfit as well. They're just both looking absolutely lovely sharp blue velvet oh we do love a blue velvet baby for Colin don't we I think I always when it brings out his eyes just just beautifully um but I think Penn's dress here is it's is it one of my I mean it is one of my favorites it's probably one of my top three favorites I, I go between them all the time um but it's like the, the slightly looser curls there's a pink of her dress it just she she just yeah. looks like a little yeah we're a big fan of the loose curls. more loose curls um she just looks so beautiful. And I think what's interesting is here she she mentions that she's specifically wearing that dress because her mum isn't there and her mum would never let her wear a dress like that. Um, which does make me wonder, like, how does she get hold of the dress anyway? Because surely she didn't buy it at the last minute. But, you know, we'll never know. But I think what's interesting about this dress is, you know, we've just had an episode where she had some questionable looks, right? You know, some of them were not the best but she has a chance to style herself here and this is how she chooses to present herself to the world. Um, it's such like a rare moment for her and she just looks absolutely beautiful. So it's a little bit of her self-expression that usually kind of gets taken away from her. Um, and they, they both look lovely. It's just a beautiful scene between them. Yeah. But you know, if you know how it is in this fandom, any beautiful moment has to get ruined for us because we must suffer. And so their moment gets interrupted as Cressida stomps over. And it's, you know, very convenient that Cressida only has one space left on her dance card. And Penn makes that quip and Cressida throws her drink over in retaliation. In the pilot, this moment where Cressida kind of bumps into Penn happens during the Danbury Ball, um, when Penn is watching Colin on the dance floor. So it's interesting that they shifted this to this final scene. Um, And I think it was a good revision because it kind of lets her have that uninterrupted moment where she is able to study him without being noticed. Yeah, the moment that she's watching him, and I think in the script what I love is that it's described as a reverie, and I'm glad that they let her stay in that moment instead of having Cressida bump into her then and have this kind of dynamic happen there, just kind of to leave her in that dreamlike state, and then, you know, she can come and ruin it later. It also lets Colin have his little hero moment here too as well. It, it makes that more significant. Hero complex Colin has entered the chat. I mean, of all the ones, of all the Colins that we have at our disposal... 
you know, he does cause some trouble for us, but it's a, just a gorgeous moment. He he just watches the situation and he like looks at Pam and then just makes a decision to step in and save the moment for her. And he says, you know, I'm afraid I cannot offer you that dance, Miss Cowper. I am to escort Miss Featherington to the floor. And he takes her hand and they go and have this beautiful dance together. It just shows that he inherently does know in his heart, like, and always wants to do like the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, when he's chatting all his rubbish in the end of series two, like he probably knows that as soon as he said it, like that it was just not right. And I just think he, yeah, he is just a good guy. As I said, I do like him. He does have the fascination with kind of fixing situations and trying to yeah. make things better, which is going to be fascinating for season three when he realises that he's messed up really badly. And what I think is lovely is that this kind of moment does come from him, you know, saving her from that situation. But when they're actually dancing, he's enjoying it as much as she is. And they have this really sweet, it's like a very energetic dance. And they genuinely love each other's company. Mm-hmm. They're smelling at each um, other. Exactly, and sometimes it feels a little bit imbalanced in their relationship. You know, she idolises him and has him on this pedestal, but we we do see that the affection they have for each other is reciprocated. It's just not all participants are fully aware of such things. <laughs> the sequence also contains one of my favourite blink-and-miss-it Pollen moments. At the end of their dance, Colin, first of all, he does not immediately let go of Penn's hand, which is typical chaos Colin behaviour. <laughs> but um, if you look closely, he also caresses her hand, with um, her beautiful pink gloves. Which is just one of my favourite little little moments. I think what's very sweet about the way that this scene is shot is that the camera is very much focused on Penelope and her experience. Of course, Colin's still there, but due to their height difference, he's a little bit out of frame and he gets cut off occasionally. And that's because we really focus in on Penelope and how she's feeling in this moment. And what we've just seen is that Colin was the one to kind of reach out his hand and take her onto the dance floor. You know, he's almost pulling her into society, pulling her from the shadows where she's existing, at the edges of things, and making her feel a bit more confident, beautiful, a participant rather than just an observer. Um, And I think it's just a really sweet part of their relationship that... We see in the books as well that he emboldens her and makes her feel like she belongs in society with him. That feels so reminiscent of what I think we're going to see a lot of in season three as well, but of that book dynamic of he makes her feel confident and he makes her be be like, take those steps into society and he makes her braver just by being around each other. It's um, Nicola has also said that um, the way he loves her makes her love herself. And you can kind of get that vibe here. I love that. That perfectly catches it. It's, you know, he, just by being around him, yeah, she feels more herself and she feels more able to express herself. And it's exactly what you say. Yeah, he goes, and in both of their dances that they have, he just grabs her hand and pulls her into the light and into the centre um, and kind of lets her shine, uh, which I'm very excited to see how that ends up going in season three. And this is pretty much the end of the episode. But, you know, Daphne and Simon, those main characters that we mentioned earlier, they take to the floor to dance. And there's this gorgeous shot where the camera focuses on Penn watching Simon and Daphne dance for the first time. And the voiceover declares, if anyone should reveal the circumstances of this match, it is I, yours truly, Lady Whistledown. And that is how the very first episode ends. Well done, everyone. We got through it. <laughs> a lot to process. A lot has gone on. A lot of pollen content. Oh my god, definitely one of the longer pollen, or the more pollen-heavy episodes for sure. I know we have a bit of a dry desert later, but yeah, very juicy one here. So, let's discuss what we've thought the entire episode, then, shall we? So let's just cover the whistle ups and downs for this episode, our favorite moments and the worst moments. Um, For me, my favorite moment is Colin's hero moment where he asks Penn to dance at Vauxhall. Probably one of their best moments in the whole season, um, in the whole series, I would say. I think it's going to stand the test of time. It's a beautiful moment and it's all in the first episode. So we're off to a good start, mostly. So for me, the worst moment would be Penn being forced to watch Colin court Marina the second time around where she's on the floor mm. playing with the dog sitting at her her dad's feet um that's probably one of the most depressing shots of the series <laughs> pen babe you're not helping yourself here like ugh, I don't know why she sits on the floor but 
it's low point and she just kind of quietly sits and watches him court somewhere else and uh, it makes me very much await the day that he has to sit. I hope he sits on the floor with a dog and watches her courting like Debling or someone. <laughs> the dog from the, the opening portrait? Yeah. Someone find the dog. I want the boy on the ground, on the floor, <laughs> tragically gazing up at them. Playing with some like building blocks or something. He volunteers to walk a bunch of people's dogs so he can like <laughs> follow them during their promenade. <laughs> Make it happen. So how many bows give this in terms of how good it is for pollen so we've developed a quick rating system to describe these pollen episodes um if you're familiar with pollen in the second episode of the second season pen has this outfit where she's a bunch of bows in her hair and a massive bow on her back so out of a dozen bows zero being the best and a dozen (laughs) obviously being the worst i would rank this zero bows this is one of the better pollen episodes Even if Marina is introduced, it sets their love story um, in motion in a very satisfying way, in my opinion. The less bows, the better, right? Yes. I think two two or three bows. We've got, as you said, Pen plays on the floor. You know, she's got a long way to go. uh, And Colin's got, they've both got a long way to go to be the perfect partners for each other. And I think, you know, we need to leave that room to grow. But yeah. I'm going to side with Veg. I'm going to give it a three. Three bows sounds good. It's beautiful, it sets up the dynamic, but there are some just agonising moments. I suppose within that, it's setting up the perfect experience of being a pollen fan, isn't it? We cannot have beauty without agony, um, and we, we almost suffer. I'm just so used to the pain at this point that I could still... <laughs> it overshadows... Wear them to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're saying that's painful? Um, yeah, so <laughs> exactly, not the worst. I'm going to go three. I just feel like, girl, sit on a chair instead of the floor. Well, you'd got a lower mark from me. Um, but a solid episode with some really beautiful moments and I think it'll stand the test of pollen time and that brings us to the end of the episode thank you so much everyone who's joined us and we really do hope that you'll join us next time as well because next episode we'll be discussing the second episode from season one shock and delight who knows though what might happen in the time between that if there are any breaking crumbs I'm sure we'll try and jump on the microphones as quickly as possible with our reaction but until then, Lecky, where can people find us? You can find us at Pod on Instagram and TikTok. And as always, we will be lurking and posting silly little games and theories to pass the time till season three on the subreddit r slash Bridgerton. So thanks for joining. See you later. Bye. 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 And until next time, take it away, Bean. Das violin do 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 do